Okay, we continue with the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, part 19. In our discussions last week, we considered the third of the crucial issues as relates to the teachings or instructions on, that is, doctrine of baptisms. And that was the matter of experience. We noted that experience is put into practice what has been taught. It is the tasting of the pudding that has been so aptly described with the attestation that what was described is truly so. In other words, we have tasted of the pudding and we say, indeed, what you said it is, it is. Remember, there was a similar case like that in the Bible. Who remembers that case? When um, the queen of Sheba came to see Solomon and said, in fact, half of what they told me is, they didn't even tell me, they didn't tell me up to half of what I'm saying now. You know, she attested to it. Experience is what affirms the Christian as a doer of the word of God and not just a hearer of it. Experience is a manifestation of the benefits and blessings of baptisms in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. Sadly, we noted that few believers in the Lord have experienced the blessings of baptisms in their lives. Thus, we observed that there is indeed a gap between teachings and instructions and the practical application of what has been taught or instructed. This gap must be bridged if a believer is to benefit from the blessings of baptisms. In seeking to bridge what we term the doctrine experience gap, the doctrine demonstration gap, or the teaching daily application gap, we first addressed the source of the gap. The gap is attributable, attributable rather, to a lack of personal relationship based on love for God between the believer and God through the, through the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as a lack of submission to Christ for the effectual work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. In breaking this down further, we noted that many believers do not accept the word of God as truth, subjecting same to their own understanding and interpretation. They do not believe the word of God enough to live it out in their daily lives or in their lives every day. They have no real conviction of the veracity and inerrancy of the word of God about baptisms, and they have no desire to taste of the benefit and blessings of baptisms. The way to eliminate the doctrine experience gap, therefore, is to return to God in true repentance, submit totally to Christ whilst resisting the devil, and yield to the Holy Spirit, letting him lead you daily. With this, uh, sorry, what this means for everyday living is that after you have acknowledged your error in following your ways rather than the way of God and have received it for his forgiveness, you must henceforth accept the word of God as truth, believe it with conviction and desire to taste of the blessings in, enunciated therein. You must understand that the love of God for you comes with discipline which is good for your spiritual growth and is applied for correction rather than being a channel of God's anger, wrath or punishment. The chastening of God is to correct you. It's not to punish you. It's not for wrath. The people who have tasted the wrath of God, they are in hell. So for his children, the children, the children of God will not see his wrath by the grace of God. What they, will, what they will see is the correction of God in love. Indeed, the proof of the blessings associated with baptisms become a reality in your life. Once the doctrine experience gap closes, thereafter your love for God, demonstrated by obeying his every word, will be manifest. And your love for all peoples, regardless of race, ethnicity, language, gender, and belief, will be visible to all. I think the Bible says in a particular place, let your profiting appear to all, and it will appear to all in Jesus' name. So we are going to take three texts this evening, our two usual texts, Acts chapter 1 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 2a, and then we'll take Colossians chapter 2 from verse 1, sorry, from verse 11 to 12. So Acts chapter 1, verse 5. 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We began to use this scripture to discuss the fact that there are more than one baptism. And we use that to start to anchor what we are discussing right now. And then we go to Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 through to 2a, the a part. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity by lay, by not laying again the, sorry, not laying, let me take it again. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the doctrine of baptisms. We noted here that the, the, the word baptism is pluralized, meaning that there are more than one baptism. And then Colossians chapter 2, reading verses 11 and 12. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In him, that is in Christ Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In addressing the matter of baptism, our third scripture text, that is Colossians 2, particularly verse 12, notes the place of faith in baptism. It talks about, says we are buried with Christ in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through what? Faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So what we are saying here in essence is that because we believe that God raised Jesus from death, therefore we submit to baptism so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we also shall be raised unto a newness of life. So our faith in God therefore means that we believe with complete conviction what the word of God says about the blessings of baptisms. Now we have looked at Mark 16, 15 to 18 quite a bit, where the Lord said, this sign shall follow those who believe. That is, it says, uh, those who believe and are baptized. You know, they, 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 they receive their, their salvation. And then goes on to say that those of us who believe, these signs and are baptized, these signs shall follow us. That in his name, we will cast out demons. In his name, we'll pick up serpents. They will not hurt us. In his name, we'll drink poison. It will not be hurt. In his name, we'll do what else now? will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. So faith, if we really have it, is going to let us know that as long as we have been thus baptized, you don't need somebody to be prodding you again. As long as you have been thus baptized, you will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. You will cast out demons and they will be cast out. They will be thrown away. You will, you will drink a deadly thing and nothing is going to happen to you. Now that doesn't mean that you go and see something written poison and then you go and drink it. No, 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 no. You won't do that. So this evening we want to discuss the doctrine of baptisms, the matter of faith. The matter of faith. By the grace of God, this will be the last of the crucial issues that we'll be discussing around the doctrine of baptisms. And then we'll move on to some other things the next time we'll discuss. The word faith in Christendom is sacred, yet it has been bastardized, largely due to ignorance about what it really is and how it works. For the avoidance of doubt, we shall attempt to first see what faith is in general. Then we shall go on to see how it is crucial in the matter of baptisms. We pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to receive illumination on this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, from the scripture, we have a somewhat definition slash description of faith. It tells us that faith is a substance of things we hope for. In other words, even though we don't see it and we are still hoping for it, by faith we know that we have it. Do you understand that? You don't have it in your hand, but by faith it has become a substance. Now, without faith, it is still something that is being hoped for. It's not a reality, but faith makes it a reality in your life. And you begin to walk or function in a manner that suggests that indeed you believe this thing is in your hands, even though you don't have it physically. He said it's the evidence of things not seen. Faith becomes, when we say, I know that I know that I know that I have this. What I am doing is I'm exhibiting what? Faith. That I have it, even though physically speaking, I don't have it. But by faith, I have it. Now, the Bible tells us that in the days of old, and actually presently today, it says that is how the elders obtained what? A good report, a good testimony from God. Their reputation before God was based on their faith. Not on, any other, not on any other thing, but on their faith. On this expressed strong belief that what God has said is going to come to pass. And they acted on it. And he says, by faith, by this same faith, we come to understand that the walls that we see now, the planets that we see, were framed by the word of God. There was nothing until God spoke and all these things came to pass. The only way by which we can tell somebody with boldness that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and not believe science, which talks about the Big Bang, is what? Faith. Without faith, we are just speaking. There's no belief. So if somebody says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and a professor comes and tells you that there was a Big Bang and everything blasted into several wonderful things and says, we are going to discuss um, intelligence, creation. The intelligence of creation rather than talk about God. If you don't have faith that God created the heavens and the earth, you will listen to him and you'll be awed by him that, wow, what a wonderful professor, what a wonderful theory. He says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What does that mean? Some, some, somehow, both Abel and Cain knew how to present something to God. But only Abel presented it as God wanted him to present it. What was it that moved Abel to do that? It was faith. What was it that made Cain not to do that? Flesh. Do you, do you, do you see the difference now? So they both had the word of God. But faith made one to act as God wanted him to act. Flesh made the other one to act as he wanted to act, contrary to God. By faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith, we believe that Enoch was taken away by God. Why? Because God told us so. But if you ask the people 
who lived with Enoch, as far as they are concerned, we should take the case of Enoch to the FBI. He's the most, he's the, he's the, he's the, he's the longest missing man in the whole world. He's been missing for over 5,000 years. But by faith, we don't need to search. We know where he is. Do you understand that? So, putting this down, faith is believing the word of God. Faith is believing God and acting upon that belief. In the absence of the word of God, we really don't have faith. Faith is always tied or based on God and his word. In verse 6 it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Anybody who is acting in the flesh, whether he's preaching, whether he's ministering in songs or praying, whether he's planting a church or building, having a church building, anybody who is not doing it by faith is not pleasing to God. It's as simple as that. For example, if your understanding of the word of God is at level one and you act on your understanding of the word of God based on that your level one, what are you doing? You are acting in faith. If your understanding of the word of God is at level 10, but your action is not based on the word of God, what you are doing is flesh. It's not faith. Is that understood? So it is impossible to, to please God. Now it says, for or because anyone that comes to God must first of all believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently, not casually, but diligently seek him. That means seeking God for a minute may not give you the result that you expect. And then you, you, you say, I give up. Your search, your seeking of God must be what? Diligent. You must keep going. I've, used, I've told you before that the word seek, when used in the scriptures, particularly the old King James, means a search in order to find. Not just a search, but you must find with that search. Praise the name of the Lord. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we're trying to define faith so that we can remove the wrong belief that we have that faith is for us to be able to receive something from God. Even though that is part of it, but it is not only for the purpose of receiving. It is more about believing who God is, believing what God says he, he, he is, and believing what God says or what God says about himself, and believing everything that God has said, and then acting upon it. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, for by grace you have been saved. If you stop there, then we are, we are okay. Is that not so? It means we're saved by grace. We didn't do anything. But he didn't say that. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. You were not saved through flesh. You were not saved by your own understanding, by your own thinking. He says, it is the gift of God. Your salvation through faith is the gift of God. The word grace itself is a gift. So faith it's, it, by itself is also a gift. Now, what does it, what is it saying there? The Lord Jesus Christ has died and has been risen again from the dead. By virtue of his death and resurrection, we have the free gift of salvation, which is grace. But not everybody who has heard it has, has received it. Is that not so? In fact, many of us who are here, it was not the first day we heard it that we received. It took a long time. What happened? Unless faith was given to us, we couldn't have believed and received it. So God gave us an additional gift called faith, which by itself is the grace of God. Because some other people don't have that gift given to them, and so they can't believe. So we cannot boast. I think it goes on to, it says in verse 9, it says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't boast. We didn't use any effort even to believe. It was a gift. That faith was given by God for us to believe the word. Without faith, you can't believe the word of God, let alone believe what it teaches about baptisms. The, the natural man cannot comprehend what God says in his word. But the spiritual man who has been born again, who has been uh, saved by grace, who has opened himself up to learn of God and to receive from God, he is able to receive from God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, these are scriptures we are familiar with. The Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. You do not get faith by hearing a word that is not of God. So even if I were preaching a message that is not the word of God, it does not cause faith to arise in you. When I, when I use faith, please note, I'm talking of belief with conviction in God and his word. Do you understand? So if I stand here and I'm preaching to you a word that is not of God, faith does not arise in you. But if I'm preaching to you a word that is of God, provided your heart is tuned in, you will receive it. Is that understood? For example, I think it's in Acts chapter 14 or so thereabout, where Paul in Lystra was preaching. And there was a, a, a man born lame sitting there. And as Paul was preaching, the man had faith. With faith, he was receiving everything that Paul said. Paul saw that this man had faith and said, Get up, man. You already have faith. Begin to walk. And the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, what was it that brought healing to that man's legs? It was faith by the hearing of the word. All Paul did was to tell him, You already have a jump up. If you, if you look at the scriptures, when blind Bartimaeus was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ, he said to him, your faith has made you whole. Your, 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 your faith uh, has made you to, to be able to, to gain your sight. And the man's eyes opened. It was faith. Nothing more than that. Just faith. Now, it's difficult for us to appreciate it because it's a spiritual thing. But it's, it's, a, it's the truth that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Let me tell you, sometimes God has already said something that he wants to do in your life. And then you begin to hear in your mind something to the contrary. And sometimes what happens to you? You succumb to that inner, inner voice that you are hearing and give up on the matter. Whereas, what you should have done is to speak forth what God had told you in your hearing. To counter what you are, that negative thing that you are hearing in your heart. Whatever speaks to you contrary to the word of God is negative. Do you understand? No matter how positive it may seem to be, it is negative. And so it is the, it is the word of God that you have heard that you use in pushing it back. You push back against what you have heard that is contrary to what God has said. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is also the word of God, or the message of salvation, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Inside the word of God, there is the power to bring salvation. As the word of God is coming forth, there is power in, inherent in the world, healing for everything that God has for his children. Inside that word, there is salvation. Inside that word, there is deliverance. Inside that, everything is inside that word. For the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it, in this word, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the judge shall live by faith. From faith to faith means from start to finish, it is faith. Let's take a break from what we're doing and go to Isaiah. And I want to show you something there. Isaiah chapter 55. And I'm going to read from verse 8. Let me read from verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Note that the thoughts of God and your thoughts, they don't agree. Your ways and God's ways are not the same. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, there is no amount of thinking that can enable you to comprehend what God is saying. Do you understand? Now, so if you are trying to understand God's word before you believe it, you can never understand it. So what we do is we just believe it. In verse 10 it says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and, not, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and born, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. That's the word of God. 
the word of God has ability in itself to produce the same the message that it has been sent to give. Now, what is needed is for the, rece- the recipient to believe it. That's all. You will recall that Mary, when she was told by the angel that she was going to have a child, and she queried that, ah, how am I going to have a child? I don't know a man. I've never been with a man. How will I have a child? The angel said, don't worry. The power of the Almighty will overshadow you. And you're just going to get pregnant, and something's going to happen to you, and that child that you're going to give birth to is, 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 is going to be the son of God. And what did she say? He said, be it unto me, according to your word. That is the the exhibition of faith. And it happened to her according to the word of God. Now, it is important that we understand these things because the currency in operation in the kingdom of God is faith. Let me explain that to you. If you want to buy something in the market, what do you need? You need money. So the currency that you need is Naira. Even if you take dollars to the market, the market woman will not take it from you. You say, go and change it and then come and buy because you need the Naira. Now, if you are broke and you don't have money and you want to buy something and somebody gives you the money, you know you're able to buy something, but you didn't work for it. You didn't get that money from it. It was given to you, right? Now, faith works that way. If you want something from God, you need faith. Now, if, if you don't have and God wants you to have that thing, he will give you the gift of faith. So when we were not able to receive the gift of salvation, what did God do? He gave us the gift of faith. And then we're able to have salvation. Now that we have salvation, we are we, we have the doorway of faith. Remember in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. He says this, this faith from start to finish, everything is by faith. So we're given faith at the beginning, and now we must continue with faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith, not by sight or flesh. The way we operate in the kingdom of God is by faith. It's not by what we see. So you remember the first the, the, the definition in, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, right? What does it say? Faith is what? A substance of something hoped for. We walk by faith, not by sight. As long as God wants to give you something, you need faith. Every single word that God speaks, for it to become effectual and effective in your life, it is by faith. It is not by thinking, but by faith. By simply believing it. The problem with many many people is that they want to think about it before they receive it. And as long as you are thinking, you are likely to miss it. Let me give you a practical example. Let's say you've prayed to God, say, Lord, I'm hungry. And really what I want to eat is jollof rice. That's all. Then after you have prayed, in your mind's eye, you are remembering the party of somebody somewhere. So is that jollof rice you want to eat? That's what you are thinking of. But God, for all you care, does not even want you to go there. If now you don't have money to go to that party, and you say, but God, you told me I will eat jollof rice. Has God told you a lie? I'm asking a question. Has God told you a lie? You are the one who is thinking that jollof rice will be eaten in that party. Now while you are there arguing with God, jollof rice can steal it from somebody else. What is important is, you eat jollof rice. Do you understand? Now, where we all make our mistakes is to be thinking for God how it will be done. I've, said some, I've heard some people say, God is not going to come down to earth to give you money. He is going to use a man. You are the man God will use. Did God tell you that's the man? You are going to intimidate a man that you are the one God will use. Did God tell the man is going to use? How does this relate to the matter of baptisms? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the Bible says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. By faith, I believe this, that I'm in the body of Christ, right? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you have the same spirit in you as, let me use that in quotes, the greatest man of God on earth? Do you believe that the same spirit is working in you? I'm asking a question now. You're all looking at me. Okay. If you believe, do you then believe that you all belong to the same family? 
If you all belong to the same family, should there be need for competition? Should there be hatred for another believer? Should you put down another believer? Shouldn't you be willing to help another believer? If you were to travel to another city, should you stay back from going to worship God because your church is not planted in that city? This is where we all made our mistakes. We all believe that if I go to this city and my church has not been planted in that city, I must plant my church. So we ended up putting people who don't even know jack about God as pastors because they were the ones who went there to start a church. And everything went upside down. Meanwhile, there was a church there. You could jolly well have joined that church. The only time you can say is that to tell me that doctrinally something is wrong with that church, with the doctrine of that church, that the doctrine of the Bible, they don't follow it. For example, you go to a church where they say they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I can understand you saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, something is wrong here. Maybe you have a chat with the pastor and the pastor tells you very mainly that the Bible does not teach us that. You can leave the place. But you can teach. Who knows? God brought you there to teach them what uh, Holy Spirit baptism is all about. You can share with them. If they still insist, then you know that something is wrong. It's not that it's not that they have not been told. They just don't want to believe it. Then you move elsewhere. Or now you can you can have cause to go ahead and evangelize and plant a church. But that there are churches with you there, and then you go and plant another one. We, we really need to think deeply about what we are doing. Now, in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, from verse 3 to verse 8, we are, we are trying to see how faith relates to baptisms that we're talking about. From verse 3, say, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What does that mean? If you are in the church of God, no matter how young, even if you got born again this instant, how did you get born again? So you have a measure of faith. So every single person in the house of God has a measure of faith, no matter how small. In verse 5 it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are individuals, yet we are one. Each one has a specific function in the church of God. Each one, according to the measure of faith that God has given to him or her. So it goes in verse 6. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. You have a gift. The question is, are you using it? Oh, some people say, how can I find my gift? And people have come up with all kinds of ways. Well, that thing that you like to do very well. No, you have a gift. God will tell you. Why would God not tell you? Why should you be doing trial and error? God will tell you. I have put you here for this purpose. Then do it. And if you are trying to do it and the pastor says, no, 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 no. Relax. Maybe it's not yet time to manifest that. The pastor can tell you to do something else. Go ahead and do that thing. Eventually, you are coming to that one that God has told you about. So what does he say? If prophecy, let us prophesy. In what? Proportion. to our, Don't do more than yourself. The man who is prophesying and the thing is working accurately didn't start yesterday like you. Started small. Samuel did not become a prophet overnight. It was as God was speaking through him and people were saying that indeed what God, what this fellow is saying is so. That was how the whole of Israel came to know Samuel to be a prophet appointed by God. In verse 7 it says, our ministry, which is service, let us use it in our ministry. Let us serve as God has given us faith to believe him for the ministry that is given to us. He who teaches, apply your faith in what? Teaching. If God has given you the grace to teach, then by faith teach. It doesn't mean you know more than any other person. It just means that by faith, 
You are teaching the word of God. And God is backing you up as you apply your faith in what you are teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. Exhortation is by faith. Everything is by faith. He who gives with liberality. Even your giving is by faith. That is why a giver is not necessarily the man who has a lot of money. A giver is simply the person who responds by faith to God when it comes to giving up to other people. The little he has, he is able to share. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. But there's faith in every single function that we engage in in the household. If we go to chapter 6, same Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through to 11, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We, we looked at this at the beginning. Colossians 2 is the same thing. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So, through baptism, we believe that we have been raised from death, right? To a newness of life. What's that newness of life? Sin has been cut off. So, we are not called to live for sin again, but to live for righteousness. And a lot is said in this, in, in this instance from verse 5. It says, for if we have been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. If we died in Christ, then as he was raised up, we also were raised up to a newness of life. Knowing this, that our old man, the old sinful nature was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Sin does not have control over your life. You must come to that understanding. You must know that for a fact. Faith, just the way you know that God created the heavens and the earth, that God created the earth in six days, six literal days. Science does not agree with that. But by faith, we believe it, right? Just as you believe that, so you must also believe this. That sin has been cut off from your life. You have no business agreeing with sin again. Look at verse 7. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. When Christ died, he died on the cross having the sins of the world with him. And so sin died with Christ. But when he raised up, what happened to sin? He left sin in the grave. Do you understand? And came and, and rose in power. In the same manner, when you got born again, you died. And what we do in water baptism, because this is describing water baptism, is to physically act it out. So that you will understand what actually happened to you. So as you are being dunked into the water, we are saying that your sins are buried. And as you are coming up, we are saying that you are rising, you are rising up to a newness of life. Look at verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe. And might I add, with conviction. When the Bible uses the word believe, it's actually with conviction. The word believe in the Bible is a very strong word. It's not an ordinary word. We believe that we shall also live with him. Faith. So, water baptism, for me to do it, is faith. For me to go through it, is faith. After I've gone through it, I live by faith in what water baptism tells me. Do you understand that? So, I cannot tolerate sin. The, Satan cannot come and whisper in my ears about the sins I committed years ago. It's, it's, it was killed. I must be able to say it. I know that when, when I was baptized, my sins were buried. I died and my sin died. And when I rose up again, I rose up in power, in the spirit of God, to a newness of life. So the old man is gone. Everything has become new. You must be able to make such pronouncements when Satan is coming to gnaw at you about something that you did in the past that is gone. Many of us relapse into sin because of that. In verse 9 it says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Look at verse 11. Likewise, in the same way, you also reckon, consider yourselves to be dead indeed. To, you are indeed dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean in relation to faith? I believe everything that the Bible says about me and sin. We have no business. Whatever I did in the past is gone. It died. I remember once, my wife and I went to visit a friend of mine and we were staying, in, staying over in his house. And so he was telling my wife, ah, this is your husband. You don't know him. More. He, was, he, he was this. So I said to him, I said, well, I, she knows her husband. The man you are trying to describe, he died long ago. Because some of us, the way we revel in our past is as if we really would like to take it back. That fellow died long ago. Some, that's why some people say, you need to know the date you got born again. So you can tell Satan, I died on the 14th of June, 1991. I'll be 15th of, for me, 15th of June, 1991. That's when I died. And I know the place, I know the date, I know where, and I know the new life I began to live from that day. Satan cannot, 15th. Satan cannot come and begin to tell me something else again about anything in my life. It's dead. It's gone. So you also, you must start considering yourself. I'm dead to sin. Do you understand? You are dead. It is, it is, it is something that happened. You need to believe it. It happened. Praise the name of the Lord. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we get agitated because it seems like it should be easy to understand. It should be easy to assimilate. But I discovered that a lot of us, a lot of people, Christians in church, we, we have our reasoning cap on. God did not tell you to reason it. In fact, when he was telling Israel, come, let us reason together, it was on the matter of sin. But when it comes to the matter of life, you just receive life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and darkness could not comprehend. We receive life from him. We don't think about, I, I, am I going to connect a tube to get life from God? No, we receive it. We know we receive it. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 13. This is speaking about the Holy Spirit baptism. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Holy Spirit baptism is, is actually given just for the ask. They don't have to lay hands on you just for the ask. And he uses examples, say, ah, you, that you are a father, full of evil things. If your son asks you for bread, do you give him stone? As evil as you are, if your son asks you for fish, do you give him a snake? If your son asks you for egg, do you give him scorpion? If you, being evil, you know how to give good things to your children, how much more do you think God will not give you the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the best thing that God ever gave to man after, after, uh, through, 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 through the agency of salvation. By faith, receive the Holy Spirit. We receive him by faith. After I got born again, one day I went to church and they said, those of you who want to receive the Holy Spirit, come, let's pray for you. And they began to pray, 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 pray. After a while, one guy said to me, Ah, you are, you are speaking in tongues. You have received it. I was wondering what he was talking about because I didn't speak. My mouth did not open to say anything. So I went home that day and I, I slept. And as I woke up the next morning, I woke up speaking in tongues. I said, I, I woke up. I actually used my hand to cover my mouth. Oh, what are you doing? What language is this that I'm speaking? Because I lacked understanding, I stopped. Do you know, years later, I came to realize that I actually got baptized in the Holy Spirit the day I got born again. How do I know that? After I got born again, 
They took me for counseling. Now, the usual counseling, you know this. The lady who sat in front of me to counsel with me, before she opened her mouth to say anything, I knew what she was saying. So I was wondering what was going on to me, what was happening to me. At the, at the point in time, I began to smile. The lady was asking, why are you smiling? I said, no, don't worry. Because I, I, was, I was scared that if I told her, she would, she would run away. <laughs> how, how is it that he knows what I want to say before I even say it? It was years that I realized that that was the Holy Spirit at work, but I didn't understand it. Many of us wait until we speak in tongues to say, yes, I have those. Tongues is, is but the physical manifestation. And that will come. But recognize that the day you got born again, the Spirit of God began to work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure and gave you ability to do certain things. God will give all those who ask for the Holy Spirit. So, if somebody says, I want to receive the Holy Spirit and I don't know how, what do you do? You tell him, ask. Why do you say ask? Because you believe that according to the word of God, if you ask, you will receive. Whatever, in fact, the Bible makes it clear. They say, whatsoever. He, say, he, will, he, he that asketh, everyone that asks, receives. Everyone that seeks, finds. Everyone that knocks, the door is open unto him. So ask. Whatever it is, ask. If God is not going to give it to you, he will tell you. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. Still on the Holy Spirit. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now Christ has been glorified. Now the Holy Spirit has been given. You want to receive the Holy Spirit, do what? Go to Jesus and drink. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is yours. All it takes is faith. Nothing more than that. There's no long story to it. It's not like, there's not like, some of us want to, we think that be, to believe is to, is to stand and focus on a point until that point you can now move the point that you say you have it. That is, a, what do you call it now? What do you call those things? Yoga or some funny thing. That's not, that's not Christianity. Christianity simply is believing God, trusting God. Relying on God, depending on God. Have you noticed that things only work for you every time you stop reasoning and you just submit in vulnerability to God? But each time you are trying to protect something about yourself and you say, Oh Lord, no, this one, they will think of this way, nothing happens to you. Until God brings you to like you are naked. That's when you now begin to see things happen. That's why people who are illiterate, who don't have the head to be thinking too many things, they receive easily. But those of us who went to school, who did science, who know how things work, we don't receive. How do you explain to Mary through science that she will ever be pregnant? Can somebody tell me? But by the word of God, it's possible. At a point in time, the disciples made a, a remark, and the Lord Jesus said to them, With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You want the Holy Spirit? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Him. And say, Lord, I want to drink of the fountain of your spirit. And you'll be amazed at what will begin to happen in your life. I say it by faith. Because it will happen to as many as believe and receive. What of this matter of suffering? In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. Romans 5, 3 to 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character. And character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit who was given why do we rejoice in tribulation? Number one, they are good for us. Number one, A, they, provide, they, they help us to become patient or to build into us 
perseverance. Number one B, they build in what? Character. Number two, why do we rejoice in tribulation? Because we know that God loves us. That love has been poured in our hearts. And so we know that this thing that is coming is not because God hates us. It is because God wants to develop us spiritually. Do you understand that? When you, when you join a football team or a sports team and they wake you up at 4 a.m. and say, go, go and do road work. Go and do jogging. Is it because they hate you? They are trying to build endurance. I remember in, in, in our days in youth service, we did the endurance match. You, you will be walking and you're... Did they hate you? No, they were trying to build us, give us some, some uh, paramilitary training to make us fit. Tribulation is good for us. God does not want to kill us with it. Many Christians are avoiding pain and suffering and because of that, they are falling into the hands of Satan. Who does not tell you about pain and suffering but says, come and get everything for free. Many Christians are living in sin and going to church and saying, I receive, I receive, I receive. How do you receive when you are living in sin? Can God give it to you? What you need is to recognize that pain, suffering, all those things, they come from God. And God does not do it because he hates you. God does it actually to train you, to discipline you, to make you to be strong. When you're waking up at 4 a.m. and going jogging, Till 5, 5.30 every day. Suddenly you see your muscles toning. You'll be able to run faster than others. You're able to endure marathon races. Look at the, 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 the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. In, in one marathon, nobody has been able to beat them. They are just interchangeably collecting world records from one another. Beating one another. How do they train? They, 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 their countries are on high altitude. And they're able to run at such a high altitude that requires a lot of effort to breathe. Because the oxygen is thinner the higher you go. Then you now bring them to the valley where there's so much oxygen for them. They've been training with little oxygen and running for, for miles with little oxygen. You now bring them to the place where there's so much oxygen to run and to run with people who have never trained where there's high altitude. They, that's why they are dusting them. They, they don't even, they, don't, they just run normally. You can imagine a man who is using force to carry things, using force to carry things. Then you take him to a place where he doesn't require force. He just carries the things in. He, with one finger, he will just toss it up. There was one time I heard, I don't know how true it is, but I heard that Bra Brazilian team used to train on the beach with sand, which is very difficult to move the ball. Now you come and carry such a person and put him on, on grass. He will dust you like, you, you, because it's difficult to move the ball with sand. But now you're putting him on a field where the ball is moving. He's moving. So a lot of times, God brings us to the place of suffering. By the time he takes you to the place where there's nothing like suffering, you are able to withstand it. And if I, when, when serious suffering comes, the one that other people are crying, you don't need to cry. The matter of faith, when I first became born again, initially it was a struggle. Then I went to God and God said, there's nothing to faith other than to believe. There's no mechanism. There's nothing. It doesn't work in any way, but just believe me. If I say, do this, go and do it. Don't ask two questions. Whatever you receive from the word, just go and do it. Just obey. He said, faith and obedience, they go hand in hand. So I began to do that. And I realized that it was easy to believe God. So that whenever God said something, all I just need, needed to do was receive it. And if there was any opposition, I just repeated what God said. I rehearsed it aloud to tell Satan that that word you are bringing, forget it, this is the one I'm following. And it always happens. So when the matter of um, suffering comes in, just recognize one thing. That this thing, that this challenge you are going through, is not God did not bring it to kill you. God brought it to strengthen you. God brought it to discipline you where you went wrong, if you did something wrong or whatever, to correct you. But never to punish you. The punishment of God is reserved for those who don't love God. What God does is to correct. If a, if a, if a, if a father kills a child who has done something wrong, is that, do you call that punishment? It's correction. Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 38. It's about suffering. 
He says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, after you got born again, after your eyes were opened to the truth that is in the word of God, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. These people suffered gladly with joy. They went through all these things. And so they are being encouraged. That remember those times when you went through those sufferings. Why? Because you believe there was something waiting for you in heaven. So what is it saying in verse 35? Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Which you, this confidence you have that something is waiting for you in heaven. Don't cast it away. Don't let anybody fool you that you are a mumu hoping on something that is not there. Don't let anybody fool you. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What is endurance there? To persevere, to keep trudging on in spite of the fact that it seems like nothing like that is ever going to happen. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If you say that you have been justified by faith, then how are you supposed to live? By faith. That's what it means there. The just shall live by faith. Those who have been justified through faith will live by faith. Henceforth, everything that you want in the kingdom of God is by faith. If you don't remember anything, remember that one tonight. Therefore, the doctrine of baptisms, the manifestation of all that the doctrine of baptism promises is by faith. You cannot receive and enjoy the benefits and blessings of baptisms as enunciated in the word of God without faith. It is with faith. James chapter 2. We want to look at how to appropriate things particularly this matter of baptisms by faith. James chapter 2 from verse 17 to 26. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What he's saying there is that faith is not just a word we use. Faith always has works attached with it. The way a man behaves, the way a man conducts himself, tells you whether he has faith or not. For example, a man who does not pray, does he have faith? No. Because prayer by itself is a manifestation of faith. Praise the name of the Lord. So, if you have faith, we will see it. By the way you conduct yourself. That's what he's saying here. In verse 19 he says, You believe there is one God. Full stop. You do well. But look at what he says. Even the demons believe. And what happens? They tremble. The difference between the faith of demons and the faith of a child of God is that the faith of a demon does not save you. His matter is ended. His trembling is the fact that he knows the power of God. Every time the Lord Jesus met with a, with a, a demon-possessed man, what was it that the demons would say? They say, what are you doing? What have you, have you come to trouble us? You, 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 you son of uh, God. It's not yet our time. Leave us alone. They were trying to be legalistic or, or uh, quote law. For him. Get out of the man. Come out of this man, my friend. And they, they came out. They knew who was talking to them. And so they trembled. So why should you be trembling at demons? If indeed you are a child of God. 
Why do you allow somebody to be lying to you or to be cheating you or to be fooling you and speaking to you, a believer of ancestral causes? Let me explain something to you. You see, the salvation that you got, many of us don't understand what that salvation is. The salvation that you got is what we call a total package. But like every package, you it has compartments. You must open every compartment to benefit from what is in that total package. Do you understand? Now, many of us don't open the package. We say we are saved, we carry the package home, but we have not opened it. And then we go to church. And one man says, oh, there's, somebody's doing you your family. How can anybody do you? You are born again. You took the pack. Why, why didn't you open the package? They'll say, oh, no, I want to take my time. No, it's not a matter of taking your time. If they, in fact, in the U.S., if somebody gives you a birthday gift, in their presence, they tear it open. They don't go home. Before they tear it open to tell you thank you, you have done, oh, this is what you go, oh, thank you very much. They tear it open in your presence. They don't take it home. When we got there first, we were, thinking, we were wondering, ah, take it home. Say, no, 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 they open it here. Be in your presence. <laughs> so if you are saved and the total price has been handed over to you, tear it open, open it up, begin to look at it. You were given the word of God. Have you read it? Do you believe what is in there? Healing was supplied to you 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, you were healed. Not ah, you were healed long ago. Healing, you see, the, the devil is just trying to see whether you understand what is happening to you or not. So he brings something, quickly, boom, we've run to drugs. Boom, we've run to drugs. Boom, we've run to this. Believe God. Let your faith show in verse 20. But do you know, do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. What is he explaining to us there? In Genesis 15 verse 6, the Bible says, Abraham believed, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham believed God. He had faith. But that faith was tested. When God now said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. I think he said, your only begotten son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me on Mount Moriah. Abraham did not think two times. He carried Isaac. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham had accounted that if Isaac died, God was able to raise him up. So he wasn't querying God. He, his, his faith was put to work. Like I said to you, one of the key marks of faith is obedience to the word of God. A man who does not obey God does not exercise faith. Obedience is the exercise of that faith. That is the work of faith. So a faith that does not include obeying the word of God is no faith at all. In verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which is Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. In Genesis 15 verse 6, where the Bible says Abraham believed God and was accounted for him for righteousness. That's what's quoting here. Where did, where was that scripture now fulfilled? In Genesis 22. Over well over 25 because Isaac came after 25 years and Isaac was at least a teenager by the time. So well over 30 years after what God had said, Abraham was now made a confirmation by his works. In the same way, you receive your baptism by faith. Let us see that, that work of faith in action by living as you should. A son who has been baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, baptized into the body of Christ, baptized in water, baptized in suffering. When you have gone through uh, baptism of suffering, you don't cry when they're suffering. In fact, you are warming up. Say, yes, we are moving to the next. When they say the next level, they don't understand. Next level is the next level of suffering. When you have overcome that, you will see the tremendous blessings that accompany those who have overcome. Christianity is for those who have overcome, not those who are underperformed or who don't overcome anything. In verse 25 it says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Prayer the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers 
and send them out another way. What was what was um, Rahab's own story? We know the story. Is in Joshua? I think Joshua chapter two or so. Some spies came to Rahab. Said came to Jericho. Rahab hid them. Why did Rahab hide those spies? In the night she went to them. She said, "We have heard that your God perished um, Egypt in the Red Sea. We have heard how your God dealt with the two kings that we fear." across the Jordan. We have heard those things and as a matter of fact, the reason why Jericho is shut up is because we are afraid of you people. And we, and I know, if I, we know that God has given you this land. She said so. So please remember me when you people come. And they said, this is the promise that we are going to make to you. We will remember you. We will free you and your family. But everybody must be in this house when we come. And you must put a scarf, a scarlet scarf outside your window. Did she do them? Exactly. Did she believe? Yes. What was that? The work of her faith. Faith must have works. We cannot just say, I believe. And there's no action to prove that you believe. In verse 26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The minute your spirit leaves your body, what happens? You are dead. So, so works is like the spirit that inhibits, that inhabits faith, which is the body. Rather, that, that gives faith its, its enablement. Remove works. Your faith is dead. If you don't do anything about what you claim to believe, then you don't, it's as good as saying you don't believe. Is that understood? Now, let's look at it in application. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. Remember we read up to 6. I'm going to advise you to read further than beyond verse uh, 7. But I'm just going to read two places there. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely one of things not yet seen, moved how? With godly fear. I think in James with reverence. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to... What happened? Noah put his faith to action. The world will end. God had told him, I'm going to end this world with a flood, but I want you to build for me an ark. Now, looking at the Bible... Looking at the Bible in Genesis, we can tell that Noah began to build the ark around the age of 500. And by the time it was 600, he finished. So the ark was in building for how many years? A hundred years. It is possible for Noah to have gotten to the 99th and said, there is no rain all these years. And stopped the building. Did he stop? It continued until he finished. Has God called you to preach the gospel? Preach the gospel. Nobody has been saved. Preach the gospel. He didn't say the gospel will be, that people will be necessarily be saved. He just said, go into all the world and preach. He who believes and is baptized shall be... He didn't say automatically they will believe. You, all, your own job is as best as possible. Preach the good news. Do you understand that? That is your assignment. Then anybody who believes, let him be baptized. He shall be saved. You can't save anybody. Your preaching doesn't save anybody. But the word that you preach enters into the ears. Like we said at the beginning, that word has the power to bring about salvation. As that word is coming, the gift of faith is also given. And that fellow gets saved. Praise the name of the Lord. That was what happened to Noah. Noah received the word of God. And with godly fear, proceeded to act. He, he went ahead to build the ark. Even though the building lasted a hundred years. He kept building it. In fact, the day Noah entered that ark, he didn't know that he was, that he was not returning from that ark. As he finished entering the ark and all his family and everybody, the Bible says God locked him in. And the rain began to fall. Today we are preaching the gospel. And people don't believe the gospel. They don't believe the gospel. As we preach, they don't believe it. We said Jesus is coming. He said, oh, it's been coming, it's been coming for the past 2,000 years. The day he will come, we will know. Those who are prepared will go with him. The foolish virgins 
were not prepared. Therefore, they didn't believe. If they had believed, they would have gotten extra oil. Their faith had no works. And so their faith was dead. Whenever you claim claim to faith, and we don't see the works, it's dead faith. God did not give us dead faith. He gave us what? Living faith. That is why when God gave you that faith, you got saved. You believed to the saving of your soul. Because the faith he gave you was living. But now that he has given you that free gift of faith, you became born again. Are you still living by faith? Or are you dead? Because if you are not living by faith, then you are living by the flesh. And too many people are living by the flesh. So all the promises that God has made, all the blessings, the benefits that God has spoken of, that we will receive through baptism, we don't receive. What the Holy Spirit will do in our lives, we don't see it. The speaking in tongues, many people don't manifest it. Because they just don't believe it. Verse 24 to 27. This is about Moses. And you will see the faith of Moses. Because here was a man who was raised up in the palace of Pharaoh. Even though his mother still had the, uh, the initial influence because she was like the nursemaid employed to raise him. He says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know what that means? He refused to, 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 to carry the wealth that Egypt was going to give him. Why? Because he believed God. In verse 25, he says, choosing rather to what? Suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Egypt is a figure of sin. Through sin, he was offered the, the, the throne of Egypt. He said, no, I would rather suffer with the people of God than the fleeting pleasures of the throne of Egypt. By faith, by faith, he chose the baptism of suffering rather than the pleasure that Egypt offered him. By faith, Christ denied himself to convert stone into bread and rather wait for God. By faith, he refused to receive what Satan was offering him. It was a shortcut. It did not include the cross. It did not include the 40 stripes. It did not include the shame, the beating, the spitting. It did not include. He would have been loved by the Pharisees. He would have been lifted up by the world. But he said, no, I prefer the suffering. The problem with many of us is we hate the suffering because we, our faith is dead. It's time to wake, to quicken that faith in you and prefer whatever suffering God is bringing than the fleeting pleasures. That sin proposes. In verse 26 it says. Esteeming. Elevating. Lifting high. The reproach of Christ. To be of greater riches. Than the treasures in Egypt. Can you imagine that? When you place, when you place suffering for Christ. On one hand. And the treasures of Egypt on the other hand. Which one should be, which one should be higher? Or well, let's use the old scale. In the old scale. The heavier one goes down. The lighter one goes up. So which one do you normally think should be heavier? The treasures, right, should be going down. And the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? The suffering should be high. But no, in Moses' scale, the, the suffering went low. The pleasures, the pleasures were thrown up. He gave greater weight to the reproach of Christ than what sin was offered. That sister who is saying that in order to keep her job, she must sleep with her boss. She does not esteem the reproach of Christ greater than the, pleasure, the treasures in Egypt. If she did, she would tell the boss, to stick it somewhere. But it will not be in. He says, for he looked to the reward. What was the reward he was looking to? Eternal life. Not a momentary pleasure. But eternal life. In verse 27 he says, by faith he forsook Egypt. Look, I need, I need you to understand. When, I, when the Bible uses the word by faith. To appreciate it better, look at faith and look at flesh. By faith he forsook Egypt. By flesh, what would he have done to Egypt? 
He would have embraced Egypt. Because Egypt has everything that the flesh wants. But Egypt has nothing that the spirit desires. So by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Brethren, when it comes to suffering for the sake of the gospel, let's esteem it far greater riches than treasures anywhere else in the world. What's that Jim Reeves song? I'd rather Jesus than the silver or gold than worldly or fame or something. Worldly something or fame. I'd rather have Jesus than any of those things. If you have faith, that's how you live your life. So when the baptism of suffering is coming, you will be rejoicing. You know that God is more than able to take care of you. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. When you are being told that there's one, I always tell, when you say one demon, which demon? Where? It doesn't exist. I'm not saying that demons don't exist, but not in me and not in my home, not in my life. It's not possible. It's just not possible. It is this, this lack of faith that makes many people to begin to see things and say, it is God they saw. It's not God they saw. It's a demon they saw. Because God does not, does not contradict his word. He cannot contradict his word. The Bible says, even though an angel were to come and preach a different gospel than the one that is documented in the scripture, let that, let that preacher be accursed. That angel, let him be accursed. We must recognize that when we talk of suffering for the sake of the gospel, it is by faith that we overcome. In the flesh, you will take shortcuts. You will never overcome. You look for a short way to do it. And then you land yourself in serious trouble. Because when the devil comes to collect, that's when you'll be struggling from, 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 from pillar to post and begging, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. There are many people today who have joined secret cults because they believe that she even have to get money. They still go to church. In many of these cults, you must be a member of a church before they admit you in. You must be a member of a church. So they'll just say, ah, they go to the, are you a minister? In fact, to be a minister is a greater level in that, in the, in the Oko. And you see many ministers who are in the Oko. They will not preach the, the, the real word of God. They start saying all kinds of rubbish. I heard, my wife was listening to one, one, one fellow who was preaching overseas. And I was wondering, what, where is this message going to? What is it about? He would dance in, he would dance in, he was dancing more out than in. He would say, he would say that it boiled boil down to money. What kind of thing is that? Is that the message? No message for salvation. Oh, I see you. I see you. They plan to kill you. The fellow is alive. If they wanted to kill you, you think that fellow would not be dead? Oh, they plan to, in fact, they wanted to kill you and your mother. Eh? But they succeeded in killing your mother, they didn't kill you. Let's see, let's see how to, let's, let's come, 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 let's pray for you, say that. And then begin to tell stories. You were, this was happening. Did I, was I there when you told, who do you need to tell that? Was I there when they said it? Does that, meaning what? That God told you. That's what we, that's what you want to do. You want to tell us that God is speaking to you. Okay. How do we how do we come by by that? The gospel is simple. The gospel is simple. We didn't see, we didn't read. I did, I've never read Paul making so much demonstration, so much noise. I didn't hear Paul say, okay, now when they said that they were taking apron from Paul's body to go and heal the sick, that Paul now said, We are having an apron deliverance service. Close down all the auditoria and take uh, video uh, screens there so that we can we can bless aprons. He didn't do that. Luke 23, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Uh-uh. These are people that we should be emulating. Not people who are avoiding persecution. Let's emulate people who, who, are, who are ready for persecution. Too many Christians hate persecution. That's why we start praying. God, over, it will not happen to me. It, if God decrees it, because you can suffer according to the will of God. Somebody will say, well, Jesus knew that it was the will of God. What of, um, what's his name now? Stephen. Was it the will of God for Stephen to die that young? I'm asking a question now. Oh, 
that somebody, some, you'll be amazed that somebody will come and say that Stephen should have kept his mouth shut. He was there arguing. If he had kept his mouth shut, he would have been alive. He who lives, he, he, he who fights and runs away, lives to fight another, he would have lived to fight another day. No! He did more than any other person. In Acts chapter 7 verse 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That is faith. He knew where, by faith, he knew where he was going to. He said, receive my spirit. A man who has no faith is the one that runs to pass the pastor. They won't kill me. Please pray for me. If they want to kill you and you are born again. Ha! You are going to heaven now. What's the big deal? I have to tell that people who are ready to die, they are there. The people who are afraid to die. In fact, the, the Bible, uh, the English man says, a coward dies how many times? Many times before his actual death. Many people have died long ago. There's one owl that sits on this place here. I'm sure if somebody else saw that owl. Ah! Binding and losing. It is a bird. It's a bird. It's not a witch. It's a bird. An owl is a bird. He came to sit down here to enjoy himself. Suddenly you tell me, ah, ah. My head became two times big. Yes. Because your imagination was making your head to be two times big. Your head should have remained the way that it was. The same side. The bird is flying on his own quietly. Enjoying itself. You are disturbing. Is Owls fly at night. Not in the daytime. What is wrong with us? Oh, what is the noise about? You hear your dog creak, creak. Mama, mama, mama. That is, you know that prayer is prayer of fear. It's not faith. There's no faith in that prayer. There's no faith. We're living more by fear than by faith in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are hearing a message that does not have the power to strengthen us, to embolden us. When Stephen was preaching, he knew this thing is likely to end here. He went on preaching. He, said, he, said, he, he, he looked at them at one point. He said, you stiff-necked people. You do always resist as your fathers resisted him. So are you resisting him? He began to gnash their thing. Get stone, get stone, get stone, get stone. And what did he do? He knelt down and began to say, ah, I see Jesus. Somebody else will say, don't tell them you see Jesus, otherwise they will get mad. Ah, I see Jesus standing. He began to pellet him. He said, don't hold, please don't hold this against them. They stoned him the more. Look at him, even praying for us. Say, Lord, I commit my soul into Jesus was standing to receive. We will hail that one. But when is your own time? We'll carry placard. They're killing Christians in Southern Kaduna. They're killing Christians in Southern Kaduna. Are they Christians? I don't know they are Christians. I don't know they are Christians. That's the truth. And if they are Christians, eh, let us be praying. We pray for them. We don't make noise about the thing. We pray for them. Please. When Stephen was being stoned, who was making noise for Stephen? Not even the apostles could make noise in Jerusalem. They were religio illicita, Ill illegal religion. They fled. Only the apostles remained in Jerusalem. Every other person ran away. It was in the running that Philip went to Samaria. And you see, when, what's the that when they were all fleeing, I thought they would run and go and hide. No way. As they were going, what were they doing? They were preaching. Preaching the word. Their faith was at work. They knew what they had received. They heard the Lord say, if they will not receive you in this town, go to the next town. You would not have gone around all the towns of Egypt, uh, of, of Israel, before I come. So you went to a place. They did not receive you. Eh, go elsewhere now. You now say, no, they're not receiving me. So go to another place. Is that the only place? You go to another place, they don't receive you. Go else, just keep going, keep going. You will get to a place that they will receive you. A man went to Mongolia. Mongolia is uh, upper China. It's above China. Mongolia is considered a no man's land. Very cold, nothing interesting in that place. The man was excited that he was going to Mongolia to preach the gospel. And he was excited, praying that, Lord, give me souls. Give me souls in Mongolia. He went to Mongolia. When he went in year one, it was with great hope. He was writing in his journal, with great hope, I en today enter Mongolia. And he began to preach. Ten years after, he wrote in his diary, in his journal, not one soul in sight. Twenty years again, not one soul in sight. Thirty years, he died without one soul in Mongolia. But that is where God told him to go to and start. But not us. We have packed our bags. Ha, but not 2,000 yet. Who 
told you that's how God works. Who told you? Do you know what God wants to do? With two or three? Do you know what God wants to do? By faith. You walk by faith, not by sight. It is by sight that we look at the number of people. By faith, we say, Lord, God says I should go here. I go there and do what God says I should do. That is all that I'm interested in. When you exercise faith, you are simply obeying the word of God. You're not following men's uh, dictates or anything. Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy is believed to be the last letter written by uh, Paul. He, was, he, had been, he had been condemned to death. Even though he was hopeful, yet he needed to document his last sayings. Or write a letter to, to this, uh, what's his name? To Timothy. In verse 12, he says, For this reason, he has been appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Jesus. Because of this, I also suffer these things. I mean, you would expect that God, having appointed him an apostle to the Gentiles, that he will be protected from such suffering. No! In Jerusalem, when, in fact, before he went to Jerusalem, he himself said, I don't know what awaits me in Jerusalem. Only that the Spirit of God says, bonds await me there. They tried to dissuade himself for we are dissuaded. I'm ready to go there and die. He went, they put him in bonds. By the time he finished preaching, uh, his defense with them, um, what's his, what's his fellow's name? Was it? Well, no, not Agrippa. It was somebody else before. Was that Agrippa? Felix. Before Felix or so. After he finished, and they said, wait, the, the Holy Spirit came to him and said, you did very well. As you have stood before Agrippa, before Felix, you're going to stand before Caesar in Rome. I say, please, Many of us would like to go to the United States in first class to start a church. Imagine, imagine the Holy Spirit saying to you that, ah, you have done well preaching in Asso Rock. And you went to Asso Rock as a prisoner and you preached there and they put you back in the same way you are going to stand before the United Nations as a prisoner. They flew him in a cargo plane with, uh, what do they call it now? Chickens and cows created. It was one of them inside the a cargo plane landed him in a filthy, no passport, no visa, no nothing, but he landed in the place. Then they put him in Black Maria and wheeled him straight to the UN, where other presidents stand with speech. He was at the UN in handcuffs preaching the gospel. But many of us, you know, our way of preaching the gospel in the UN is to go with all the all the fun. Who will listen to you? The people you are going to talk to, they are already enjoying themselves. But they see a man in chains, not minding his chains, being bold, still preaching the reason for which he's in chains. Something must be in that. Where is our faith? In the world. So for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. People are now ashamed to go to church. Say, I don't have something to wear. Ah. That's a reason not to go to church. I don't have something to wear. There was a time when I had three pairs of clothing. And when I say three pairs, I mean three shirts and three trousers. So I don't think you need to be a mathematician to know the combinations I will be putting on. And the trousers were very strange in color. One was gray. Another one was um, greenish blue or bluish green. I don't even know what, how to say that. 